remind them, Lord God, for mothers, Lord God, who are not talking to their children, Lord God, I pray that you would fix these relationships. For husbands and wives, Lord God, who are in desperate need of you to intervene, God, I pray that you would bind them together, that you would break the cords, Lord God, that are trying to separate them. have just a video that we're going to show. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. And mothers, as most of you know, or you should know by now, it is Mother's Day. And mothers hold a special spot in our hearts. And today we get to celebrate the blessings of motherhood. Some days, however, it probably doesn't feel like a blessing, does it? <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, we'll move on from that thought. But... Um, <laughs> We do want to, um, to wish you all a happy Mother's Day. And even if you're not a mother here today, we, we honor you and we, we are excited that you're here. And I know many, I remember many um, mothers that I had growing up in the church. And they were very important to me and they helped me in so many ways. So I encourage you that even if your children are not here or 
maybe you don't even have your own children, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and, and to come alongside of someone who you could mentor and who you could help and just maybe even offer a smile, if nothing else, because a lot of times that's what mothers need. My mother is awesome, and this week she, uh, we had district conference this week in Huntsville, and basically what it is, it's a bunch of pastors coming together, and it's like a big, giant business meeting, so you can imagine how exciting it is. But it only was one day, the business part, and then there was some other services as well. But my mother and father took all four of my kids down to their place, and um, the children, of course, had a wonderful time, and my parents actually lived to tell about it, so that was good too. <laughs> so we, uh, like I said, we had a great time. We saw lots of friends from college, and we napped whenever we wanted, which was even better. <laughs> so today we're going to look at a, a mother's life in the Bible who really wasn't an ideal, did not have an ideal life. Her role of motherhood was thrusted upon her, and although she did her best, I'm sure in that role, I am sure this, that her life was not a life that she envisioned for her or her son. And so today we're going to look at Hagar's life. And we're first introduced to Hagar in Genesis chapter 16, which is where our text will be today. Shane, could you just get me a drink of water, please? Genesis chapter 16. I just wanted to say while we're turning there, too, if you have kids in the Children's Church Department, you should really high-five and really thank those two teachers down there today because um, they both found out they were teaching uh, today. So, and well, one of them found out last night about 11.30 or 11 o'clock. So I, make sure you say thank you to them. Um, because uh, they're really, they really did step up for us. And I honor them. I know they're downstairs, so they can't really hear it, but I do honor them for that. Uh, otherwise, we'd have all the kids up here. So <laughs> we're thankful for that. Sarah and Abraham were promised a son, an heir. In fact, Abraham was promised more than one child. He was actually promised to be a father of um, a great nation. The problem was, was that Sarah and Abraham were old, and they were not very good at waiting, and they had to wait a long time. In fact, Abraham and Sarah had to wait for their promised child for 25 years, and they started. It wasn't like they found out that they were going to have a baby when they were one. They found out they were going to have a baby when they were 75, so that's a long time to wait. And so we pick up our story here in Genesis chapter 16. Verse 1 to 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do I have the right one? I don't have the right one. Genesis. Why? What's the wrong here? Genesis 16. That's why, because I was reading chapter 15. You know, I really must say today has not been a great day for me, so if I mess up a lot, you know why. So I will try to focus. Sorry about that. Genesis 16 says this. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. 
Abram agreed to do what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Verse 5, then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near the spring in the desert. It was the spring that was beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarah, she answered, verse 9. And the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. You will name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will go against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards his brothers. That's not really something you want to hear when you're a mother, let me tell you. <laughs> so she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now been seen, the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Ber Laya Ro, and it is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave his, the, the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar born, bore him, sorry, bore him Ishmael. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So Hagar is this Egyptian maidservant, and she was originally Sarah's slave, basically, or handmaid, handmaiden. Her role was to do whatever Sarah wanted her to do. And Abram and Sarah, as I had mentioned, was given this promise that they would have a child. However, they were both getting old, so they were both getting a little antsy, and they were looking at it through, obviously, fleshly eyes and thinking, this is really an impossible thing. Maybe we misheard God. Abram was in his 80s, and Sarah was becoming impatient with the plan that God had, had given them. So she decided to take it into her own hands and told Abram, basically, take Hagar and make a child. Hagar had no choice. She was doing what she was told to do. There was no attraction. There was no romance. There was no love. It was only obedience. And she became the mother of Ishmael with Abram, with Abraham around at the age of 86. After Hagar realized she was pregnant, Sarah was jealous of Hagar. It's typical of us women. Uh, you know, we want something and then we get it and we don't really, aren't really happy with the way it worked out. And so she's jealous of Hagar. And Hagar is also feeling a little superior now. And, and the Bible tells us that she despised her mistress. Therefore, Sarah decided that she was going to mistreat Hagar, and eventually Hagar ran away. The Lord then met Hagar in a vision, and he told her to return to Sarah and to submit to her. And she was just sure that God was going to take care of her and this child. Hagar is a mother today who most of us would say we would not want to live that life. It was not a romantic life, yet 
today we can learn something from her. She was definitely mistreated, and I would say she was abused. And the story really is very sad, but God can take our sad stories and make it into something beautiful. So the first thing I see in Hagar's life as a mother was that she accepted her role. Genesis 16, 9-10 says, Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. Then the angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. Hagar was not treated well, and here she is, this mother whose husband really doesn't love her, doesn't support her, doesn't even appear to really even want her. Abraham was willing to give her and their baby up not only once, but twice. If you continue to read in Genesis, if you were to go to Genesis 21.8, it says Sarah gets Hagar and Ishmael sent away for good. She did not live a pampered life. And I'm sure it was not how she would, want it, would have wanted to live. And yet she's seen here accepting the role she's been given. She became the wife of a man who did not want her and continued to submit and serve a mistress who was jealous and hurt her. Now let me be clear before any of you go home today and you think this is the way God would want you to treat the women in your life or your children. It's not. So don't do that. Okay, that's not good. God did not condone this, and this is not what he's saying that it's condoned. What he was saying when he told her to go back was that she that you need to go back and it's going to be okay. But in the time of Hagar, women had no rights. And allowing a servant to be a surrogate was often happened, and it was very common. Although both Sarah and Abraham, like I told you, were told they shouldn't have done that. It wasn't the way that God was going to provide the promise. Hagar knew the truth, and she accepted it. She returned to Sarah, and she submitted to her. Sometimes people can look, we, as people, we look at our situations and we wonder, is this really, is this really it? I watched, I'm sure most of you have seen it, it's a pretty old movie with Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt, and he's like this crazy man who has some severe issues, and it, there's a scene where he's like jumping the cracks and ma- running to his, his um, counselor, and he bursts into the counseling office with all these people who are having some severe issues in their life, and he yells, what if this is as good as it gets? Sometimes we can feel like that, can't we? We look at other families and we think, wow, they're so lucky. They have the perfect family. They have children who actually, you know, listen. They have the best job. He's like, look at that guy. He just keeps um, getting promotion after promotion. They have the cutest kids who are always smiling and could never do anything wrong. They have the sweetest marriages. Their husbands must totally love them. What's wrong with me? Hagar, I'm sure, could have easily said that. I mean, she could have looked at Sarah and Abraham and thought, what, what did I do here? You know, she only slept with Abraham because Hagar told or because Sarah told her to. She got pregnant, she gave Abraham the heir that they supposedly wanted, and yet twice, Abraham sides with Sarah and gets rid of her. It's hard not to think that she really did get the short end of the stick. 
And we often think that, don't we? We, we often think that we get the short end of the stick. We look at our houses and we wish, oh, I wish that our house was neater or better decorated like the ones in those magazines that we see. I, I, I went to a conference and, and uh, recently it was a different one that I went to and I thought as I was listening to the lady speaking, I thought, wow, I wish I had such a platform that I could speak and, and just make a difference in people's lives. I look at women around me and I think they're in such good shape. Wow, I wish I could look like them. I compare my life to those around me, and I lose sight of the blessings that I've already received. I lose sight of the blessings that have been given to me. 2 Corinthians 10:12 says, "We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who come in who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise." Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in all humility count others more significant than yourselves. And one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 actually says, do not covet. Playing the comparison game is a game that no one wins. Nothing is more poisonous than comparisons. You will always find someone who is better equipped, doing something more exciting than you, have a better house, a better vehicle, a better life. We will think that other people are so cool and they have it all together when really we only see a small snapshot of who they are. It's not really a complete picture. I realize those beautiful homes that I see in those magazines are just a snapshot. They're just a moment. And they certainly don't have four boys living there. It's impossible. <laughs> I know the speaker that I heard, she spent many, many years before that um, before the role she's in today, raising her children. And I realized that those people who are in better shape than me actually go to the gym, and perhaps I should try that. <laughs> we need to learn from Hagar and not allow comparisons to dictate the actions of our lives. The facts remained that her life was harder than Sarah's. There's no denying it. The facts are that she did not have all the blessings that Sarah got, and yet she needed to continue to submit. If we could only rise above our insecurities and support one another as people, as women, as mothers, and, and, and allow everyone to be in the role that they have been given, and we're not very good at this, I think especially as women. We work hard at keeping everyone at arm's length to, to the people that so that they don't really see who we truly are. We put walls around ourselves. And so that instead of supporting one another, we are at constantly a, a difference, at a, a length, an arm's length away. We are constantly comparing ourselves to one another, which just creates insecurities and does not allow others to come alongside of us and to support us. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build another, one another up, just as you are doing. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet one another with one another as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hagar had to accept her position, and we have to do that today as well. 
The second part we see about Hagar's life is that in her darkest hour, God shows up. Hagar is pregnant and has been kicked out. Exodus 16, 13 says she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now been seen by the one who sees me. Hagar's here at her wit's end, and she's really in a dangerous situation. You have to realize that she's pregnant. She's not married. She's a woman in a time where they had no rights. They had no means of working. She was, they had no safety net. She was kicked out wandering around in the desert. It wasn't like she could walk to a shelter. There was nothing for her. And she's this mother running away for her life. She's at her wit's end, and God finally shows up. He shows up for her. When Boston was five years old, as most of you know, he had heart surgery. And this was really a time in our lives where it was truly a dark period for us. It was scary. It was hard. It was confusing. It was hard to understand. We had truly prayed and believed that God that God was going to heal Boston and that he didn't need to have that surgery. And please don't talk to him about this, because he knows I'm going to speak, but I, he doesn't like it, talking about it. So don't talk. He's doing fine, but this is um, the story. <laughs> so the day of the surgery, he's five, and, you know, we're driving down, and we still believed right up until that day that God was going, had healed him. And I remember Shane actually asking the surgeon, do you still hear the heart murmur? And the surgeon said, yes, yes, I do. And it was heart-wrenching. It was so disappointing. We were so crushed. And so we had to give him this medicine. It was like a brownie. <laughs> and uh, it had some sleepy stuff in there. And so he really didn't want this thing, but we forced him to have it. He's always been too smart for his own good. <laughs> and um, he ate it. And he began to get really sleepy and lethargic. And we wheeled him down to the operating reception area. And um, we went as far as we could go. And I remember letting go of the wheelchair. And this woman, whom I'd never seen before, took my child away. It was really surreal to think about. After the surgery, we went and we saw him in the recovery room, and he was all hooked up to these machines, and his chest was moving so fast, and he was still asleep. And hours and days followed the surgery, and we were told that things did not work out the way they were supposed to. And even today, we continue to walk with us as a family this was a moment of darkness in my life. It was a moment of uncertainty, of questioning, and wondering where God was and why he did not show up. I thought I could do this without crying. I'm really sorry. I'm so emotional today. Man, I think I'm a girl or something. <laughs> and yet, here we know... He didn't show up the way we thought he should. And yet, looking back five or six years later, 
we knew that he was there. And we could take comfort knowing that he truly was the God who sees, who saw me, but most importantly saw my son. How many times as mothers have we walked through dark times of praying for deliverance and for help for a child or for a situation in our lives, and we wondered, could we really stand it another moment? Could we really stand up to another heartache, another rebellious child? How many times are we going to have, do we, can we walk through a crisis and a disappointment? How many times have we thought and cried out, God, where are you? Do you even see me? Do you even know what's going on? Do you know how hard it is for me right now? I'm sure we could all give moments in our lives where we wondered, how could we take another second? And where are you? Deuteronomy 3.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Don't be afraid. And don't be discouraged. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. Scripture after scripture, we are told how God is there for us in our time of need. You know, I could take the rest of the sermon and I could just quote scripture after scripture after scripture telling you or reminding us of the presence of God in our lives. Hagar saw the Lord and she discovered that day, and again she discovered it in Genesis 21, that the Lord indeed saw her and was with her and would provide for her. And today we can have that same confidence. I know some of you are here today and you're in situations that are dark. You have healings that need to take place. You're in relationships that are, seem dark, seem hopeless. Maybe you feel lost and confused. Perhaps you feel like giving up just like Haggard did. It may be something to do with your own actions. Maybe it isn't. It could be your finances or your job. It could be anything. And today we need to be reminded that even though we are in dark days, that the Lord is here with you today. He is saying that he will never leave you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And he is the God who sees. He's the good shepherd who will calm the storms of life. He is your shelter and your refuge in times of trouble and dismay. And even when it looks as though he is not trustworthy, even when it looks as though he has failed you, you can take courage because God is the God who never fails. He never changes, and he will always be there for you. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has promised to show up in your life. Others will let you down, but Christ is trustworthy and true. Time and time again, we can show and we can know how Christ shows up in the lives of people at just the right moment, 
He's done it in the past, and he is trustworthy. You can trust him. You can take it to the bank that he will show up in your life today. So we see Hagar accept her role as a mother. We see how God actually showed up for her and saw her life. But I'm so thankful that he didn't stop there because Hagar was in a mess. And it's great that God saw her, but she needed more than that. God rescued her. Verse 10 says, the angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. And verse 15 and 16 says, so Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son so he, that she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him to Ishmael. Hagar had the baby. God showed up, brought life. He gives her a way out and promises her not just to one child, but he actually promises Hagar that she will also be the mother of a nation. Things in her life looked bleak, but she could have confidence because the God who sees is also the God who will provide. She will be rescued and protected. And today, you may be in a situation and you may think, when is this ever going to end? How is this all going to be okay? And I want you to encourage you today because we serve a God who not only sees us, but we serve a God who is able to intervene, who has promised to intervene, who has promised to rescue us. He will provide for us. He will strengthen us and support us. He will rescue us. He is not a faraway God. He is a God who's up close with us. He sees us. We can be sure of it. But God is just not a God who sees our need. He is a God who answers our need. I don't know your situation, but, may, but you can be rest assured that God will provide for you. You can have confidence that the Lord who sees you is working on your behalf. He is Yahweh Jireh, the Lord who will provide, as mentioned in Genesis twenty-two fourteen, 14, when he provided the sacrifice for Abram and Isaac. Maybe you are in need of protection, and he is Yahweh Nissa, the Lord who is my banner. He is your protection, and he will help you win the battle, as he did for Moses and Joshua in Exodus seventeen fifteen. Maybe you are in need of healing, and he is the Yahweh Raphi, the Lord who heals. Exodus 15, 26, when it says, Jehovah, I am Jehovah who heals you, both in body and soul, by preserving, by, in body by preserving you, by curing your diseases, and in your soul by saving your soul. God is not a God who, who sees and watches he does not just sit up in heaven and watch us play or, or play chess with our lives. He is involved with us. He rescues us. He intervenes for us. No matter how dark our life circumstances are today, we can have confidence to know that he sees us and he is ready to step in. He's ready to get involved. We just need to say, help. All we need to say is, Lord, rescue us and he will. We need to be humble enough to call on the name of the Lord, and we need to be still and not get in, try to get involved and do things in the human way, but we need to allow God to intervene. He is still able to bring life to a situation. 
Hagrid's life is not a cushy life. Shane's going to come. But it is a life seen by God. But more importantly than just being seen by God, it is a life that has been rescued by God. And that is truly something that can give us confidence today. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are here today. I thank you that that you see us. And Lord, as we accept the situations in our lives, Lord God, I thank you that you see those situations. And some of the situations make you so angry and make you so sad. And you have compassion for us. But God, I thank you that you don't just see us, but that you actually rescue us. You actually have the capability of intervening and making things right for us. And so, Lord God, we trust you today. We put our hope in you. When things look impossible, when things look as though they will never end and it will never be right, you intervene for us. And God, we are so thankful for that today. to just play something quietly with no words. And today I just want you, maybe you have a situation that you wonder if God really knows what's going on, if he really is seeing you, and if he really can rescue you. Today I want you to, to, to tell God what your situation is, and I want you to give it to him. I want you to allow him
Lord Jesus, we give you our needs to you today. We ask, Lord God, that you would you would take them. And that, Lord, you would answer them. That you would give us assurance, Lord God, that you do indeed see us. That you do indeed have a plan on how to rescue us. That, God, you would do it. I thank you, Lord God, that you never change. I thank you that you are trustworthy. That you are a mighty God. You are our strong tower. You are the one who can do all things. You are the creator, the almighty creator. You are in our yesterdays and our todays and our tomorrows. You are all powerful, all knowing and all present. God, I thank you that we do not serve a God who does not love us and who leaves us on our own, but we serve a God who is involved. So Lord Jesus, I pray that today, the people here in this room, Lord God, would know that you are involved in their life, that they would have confidence, Lord, even if their situation does not change, that, Lord, when they look at the situation, they would no longer fear, they would no longer wonder, they would no longer be in sadness or darkness, but that they would rise above and they would look to their Savior. They would look to their strong God. They would look to the one who can do all things, who has all life in his hands. Almighty Savior, I pray, Lord God, that we would look to you, that we would see you, and that, God, you would be involved in our lives today. I thank you, Lord, for that confidence. Today is Mother's Day. We do have a little gift for all the ladies here today. These nice cushy socks are here for you to keep your feet nice and cushy. But when you put them on, the ushers are going to hand them out. And when you put them on, I want you to be reminded of Hagar. Because her life was nothing this cushy. It wasn't nice for her at all. And yet the Lord rescued her and set her life on a course that was amazing because God was involved with her. And that same creator sees you and rescues you today. So we need to go and we need to be rejoicing that the Lord sees us and will rescue us. Today, if you'd like to prayer for something specific, I am more than willing to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. You can come up. If you don't want a prayer, that's great too. And just ask that you would just go out to the lobby and those who would like to stay and pray can. And also Marianne brought some beautiful flowers for us too, ladies. So you get two gifts. Who knew? Um, be blessed today and happy Mother's Day.